You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, innovation, public policy, and strategy. For this month, we are focusing our shows on the marketplace innovation for the first few weeks, and then we're going to shift over to growth capital strategies for entrepreneurs and young companies for the latter weeks. My previous segment highlighted Gozio Health and their very unique and fast-growing innovations in hospital navigation and wayfinding. Today, I'm excited about discussing my next installment in this series, as my guest is the brilliant and talented global entrepreneur, Bethany Bray. Bethany is the founder and CEO of Auto Recruitment, and very innovative patient recruitment platform for clinical trials and research. I met Bethany uh, in Atlanta at the Tech Square, where most innovation in the Southeast is coming from. And I've been fortunate enough to see her and her team in action, as Auto Recruitment has been a company growing at light speed over the past year. Thanks for joining me today, Bethany. Great to be here in the studio, Justin. So before we dive into your background uh, and your groundbreaking innovation, as well as your company, your story is very intriguing to many because you are truly a global entrepreneur and you chose Atlanta to start your company. Literally, why in the world did you do that? You know, what did you do and what did you like about Atlanta? So when I first came to Atlanta, I immediately fell in love with the ecosystem here. Um, just walking through Tech Square, there are you don't have to walk past two people before you hear someone speaking about their latest startup, um, drawing on the back of a napkin. Um, that teamed with kind of the health IT focus meant that this is kind of the perfect place, um, bearing in mind we're focusing on the health IT market. Um, very shortly after moving to Atlanta, we met Chris Klaus, um, who's become a fast friend, but also was the founder of ISS, which did sell to IBM for $1.6 billion. So, you know, having him as a co-founder, helping write our code, um, helping, you know, being part of his incubator Neuralaunch has been instrumental. Um, ATDCs, obviously, as soon as we, you know, really founded the company, we knew we wanted to be a part of ATDC. They've helped us enormously just in terms of, you know, mentorship and also meeting the right people. Um, and then, you know, it's got Georgia Tech here. It's great for tech talent. We are building a platform um, and having those people close by is really important for us, as well as, you know, having a lot of people in the clinic re- clinical research organization space and in the sales. Um, so for us, kind of the whole Atlanta got brought kind of the whole picture together. Very, very cool. So funding will be no problem and partnerships and all that. So tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of your steps there. Um, and then also, you know, are you going to utilize the entire Southeast? Obviously, Raleigh has a really strong market for, you know, with pharma and CROs in, in your space. So what are your thoughts there, too? Yeah, so um, Chris was one of the co-founders. Um, we always promised him that when we took, chose to take it seriously, we'd give him the opportunity to invest. So he is now our only investor. Um, we are extremely fortunate to be close to North Carolina. We're realizing more and more how many of our customers are actually there and actually some of the VCs we're targeting as well. So um, at the moment, we currently recruit patients for trials mainly in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, um, but moving more and more into kind of really targeting North Carolina. Yeah. Excellent. So tell me about your, and tell the audience about your innovation. 
So we have built um, an online platform that basically completely automates patient recruitment. Um, it uses online advertising to target patients in a specific indication that um, want to take part in clinical research. So we will work with clinical research sites, CROs, and pharmaceutical companies um, to recruit patients for their trials. We'll kind of build a kind of a location around a particular research site to target patients who have, say, asthma, um, who want to take part in clinical research and who want to travel to that trial site. And then our platform also filters the patients for the inclusion and exclusion criteria, which means that, you know, it's faster it's, and it's also increasing the quality of the patients we recruit. Obviously, significant innovation here. Um, how do you see this integrating with the future of where clinical research is going? So um, clinical research is having going through a tough time in terms of costs. Um, kind of pharmaceutical companies, they will invent drugs. Um, these drugs will take 15 years and, you know, around $1.3 billion to get to market. And obviously they're all on patent cliffs. So, you know, once they get there, they only have five years to make their money back. Um, a lot of the drugs nowadays, you know, the big ones are falling off their patents, which means they really are focusing on cost. Um, so, you know, having a platform such as ours that is going to get the right people into the clinical trials, but also faster, is enormously important for pharmaceutical companies. Um, more and more drugs are starting to fail um, because they, you know, the drug works, but the placebo works equally well. Um, that's how we help by filtering down the patients. We get the right people into the trial, um, which obviously increases the chance that the drug will actually succeed. So... You bring up a couple points there. Talk a bit about the challenge there then in clinical research. Um, so challenges usually revolve around time. It takes um, an enormous amount of time to get a drug to market um, through the clinical trials, but also expense. Um, patient recruitment is usually the number one problem in terms of time. It just takes so long to get these patients into the trials, and that's kind of where the idea came from when I was doing my master's in translational medicine at Imperial College in London, you know, we would learn how long it would take to recruit patients. But then when I would meet the patients, they were so excited to take part in clinical trials. Um, and that for us was a huge disconnect and kind of why we knew that technology could probably solve the problem um, and get those patients in faster. So when I learned a bit more about your innovation and your strategy, how do you manage guarantees? Because a lot of um, clinical trial companies will just send, um, or patient recruitment companies, uh, send a lot of patients just in kind of one fell swoop, and you got to sift sift through a hundred or two hundred or a thousand at a time looking for a couple. How do you guys perfect that process? So we have a paper performance model where the clients, being the farmers or the CROs, will actually only pay for the patients we send. Um, in addition, because we've filtered the patients down so much, we've run metrics. Chris is very metric focused, so mm -hmm. metrics are surround a lot of our model. But we usually only have to send four patients to the site to get one enrolled, um, whereas the industry benchmark is around 10 would usually need to be sent to get one enrolled. So um, kind of having those filters built in that screen the patients prior to sending them really helps with kind of, the, I guess, the flow of the patients. Very cool. So now I've been the reason why I was so kind of taken back when I first met you and learned about the technology and the innovation is uh, my company, Greenway, we had a whole product um, called Prime Research. And we spent a lot of time in this space. But uh, I think that you've had 
you know, we spent um, 10 years cracking this egg and um, it's uh, to watch your growth uh, in a very short period of time has just been phenomenal. It's one of the things that kind of I, I took to and why I want to have you in the show today. But also knowing about the industry and being in it myself, uh, always dabbling in it over the last 10, 12 years, um, I watch a lot of drugs fail in clinical trials. So tell me, you know, what you see from your perspective. Yeah, so a lot of drugs do fail in clinical trials. Um, you know, it's kind of the nature of it. That's why they're there. But I think that a lot of the times they do fail in clinical trials, obviously because of the recruitment times, but obviously also because they get the wrong people into them. So you really do need to make sure, you know, that you can target the right population. Some drugs will work better in one population than the other. And that's where we can really help the drug companies target those people um, because some drugs don't work in everyone. It's important they figure that out in the clinical trial so the drug doesn't fail. And if you're going to fail, fail fast. Yeah, yeah. they're a big fan <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, they drug companies are kind of bringing in more kind of electronic recording. So the data will go back from the research site to the kind of the to the pharmaceutical company directly so that they can tell us things are going to fail very, very quickly. Excellent. So obviously with the uptick of social media, it's part of everybody's lives today. I mean, even my grandmother is on social media and, and tracks my life on Facebook and on Twitter and, um, and other uh, medians. Um, so how is social media changing, uh, as well as the internet, changing clinical trials, clinical research, and really the, the patient recruitment st- side of the business? Yeah. So um, we actually looked this up the other day and something like 68% of people use the internet now for health research, um, which means people are kind of, they're becoming empowered. They're not relying on the physician as much um, and they are more aware of clinical trials. So for patient recruitment, it's great. Um, Facebook definitely can be used to recruit patients. Um, we do sometimes use it. Um, but mainly the internet is helping just in terms of kind of people being aware. And then obviously we can use it to capture those people in terms of recruiting. On the um, policy side, so that's a, that's a social media um, that's a social media component. But I spend a lot of time personally on the regulatory side and the legislative side of the house Um and I've seen some of the effects from the ACA and the Affordable Care Act. So what do you see from your perspective and how policy has changed some of this? So we actually have a client that works um, nearby and he is increasingly worried that, you know, the Affordable Care Act um, is stopping people wanting to take part in clinical trials. Obviously, one of the huge kind of pushes in clinical research is that people do get, you know, health care that is free. So we... Um, I mean, I can see that side of things, Mm -hmm. but for us, we do still manage to find a lot of people that can't afford um, good care. So really their whole benefit to the clinical trial is, yes, the Affordable Care Act is there, but they're getting access to physicians who are specialists. So Mm. um, we haven't found so much that it's affected our recruitment, but definitely a lot of people have. We um, will, mainly our patients will be people that, you know, they are less affluent, um, or they're just really interested in getting to know a physician that is going to be an expert. You know, if you have Alzheimer's, um, you know there's no therapy. Yes, from the clinical trial, you'll get access to a great medication potentially, but just kind of having that contact with a specialist is really what people are very excited about. Very cool. Um, So now all of us are managing big data within our companies and certainly our communities. Um, How will big data affect clinical research uh, in the immediate future, but then also long term? What do you see? So um, 
Big data is, you know, really helping in terms of when you think about EHRs, um, it's helping. There's actually a really famous study going on at the Mayo Clinic with IBM where they're using their Watson um, tool to kind of match people to clinical trials. So, you know, obviously there are the standard clinical trials where they need Alzheimer's patients or depression patients, but especially in oncology research, they'll need patients that are really, really specific to the, the disease. So, Big data really helps there because you can match, you know, the electronic health records with all the trials occurring at a hospital or occurring um, all the government trials and you can find the right people. Um, big data is also helping in terms of the pharmaceutical companies tracking the patients afterwards. We more and more will get asked um, by our clients if we can kind of track the patients for eight years after a trial. So it's not just getting that data for the actual one year, two years of the clinical trial, but they can track it afterwards, which helps them in kind of developing the new drug. And then will also help them in kind of knowing the reasons why a patient may or may not like that specific drug. Excellent. So you brought up electronic health records, and obviously that was the whole strategy for us at Greenway in, in using, you know, our very large platform that we had into over, I don't even know, it was 20,000 physicians at the time. Um, millions of patients and accessing all of their, you know, we had access to all of their data, clinical financial administrative data, and then basically partnering with the um, clinical research organizations and, and several other players and actors in that market uh, to, you know, bridge the gaps there and bring those clinical trials right to the patients, obviously through the physicians and the care providers. Um, and that's a great model. But so talk, you know, talk to us in the audience about how, EHRs are making a difference here, but then also how you're different. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that pharmaceutical companies will always use both means. They'll always use the physician referral and then the mass media because for them, you know, one month in opportunity cost is, you know, $100 million. They want to make sure they can get the trial done as quickly as possible. Um, the physician referral is really great for, you know, rarer diseases, you know, oncologies where you do need... Um, to get people that are very specific in terms of their illness. Um, so that's how the EHRs help. You know, they will definitely help in the future with matching people to clinical trials. Um, the problem obviously is HIPAA. So I think that there are a lot of people working on that problem and the HIPAA regulations really are what's stopping basically generally every EHR being linked to clinicaltrials.gov. In terms of the pharmaceutical companies, though, they do really want the speed of the trial, which is where we're different. So we'll, you know, some research sites will have databases of patients, some won't. But whether they do or they don't, we kind of fill the gap with getting those extra patients into the trials. And then those patients will be different. So, you know, you can have a physician that, yes, he can access a specific person um, with oncology and he can he finds that specific person but those patients may or may not want to take part in clinical research so it's not enough you need to have that and then also have the marketing means um, which is where we come in because the patients we find they all want to take part in clinical research no one will see our actual advertisements mm. unless they've shown to us that they really do want to take part in a clinical trial when one of the reasons why the pharmaceutical companies and the research organizations were going after the you know, or partnering with the EHR companies was because of reduced budgets. So talk to us about um, 
how farmers are responding to the reduction in the clinical research budgets. And- yeah, so there's a lot of push for decreasing um, R&D. So they have a lot small R&D budgets to deal with. And we see that with a lot of the research sites we deal with. You know, they used to have, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 to play with to recruit patients, and now they only have five. Hmm. Um, then in terms of, you know, higher up the chain, the pharmaceutical companies are moving more towards an open innovation model where they are coming out to, you know, universities, um, buying small companies and kind of letting them innovate rather than doing everything internally. So R&D just becomes less expensive. um, And then also they are getting a lower risk model, which means that they're hopefully going to end up having a better return on that. So what specialties do you focus on today? And I guess where are you today? And then where do you see yourself going in six to 12 to 18 months from now? So we started um, by specializing in neuro, uh, just because that was my background. I specialized in neuroscience. Chris has a huge uh, kind of passion for neuroscience. So we started there, but now we've moved into anything. So we can pretty much do anything chronic. If you think about our platform, we'll pick you up when you're online searching for things on specific websites relating to your disease. It would be anything that's chronic, anything that you've had for a long period of time. So now we do everything from respiratory to cardio to diabetes. And then the patients that we find, they will then be used for other studies as well. So really anything chronic. And then we are obviously trying to move on to the oncology space just because, you know, there's a huge number of clinical trials happening for oncology. For those, we would be looking at oncologies where they have a long prognosis. So we can do those as well. Excellent. Um, no oncology, uh, just from a quick sidebar, is uh, we were at a um, funeral yesterday for Al Cochran, who is a CFO of Greenway, who took us public, um, and he passed away very suddenly. It was um, liver cancer, lung cancer, and brain cancer, but it came on at 63 years old, and it came on over seven weeks. So obviously your wow. work is um, very much needed uh, to look for um, for improvements in, in care and you know a lot of opportunity we still have out there in, uh, in health care. Um, because of people like Al, just great people who get taken from us way too soon. And I know this, that affects everybody, certainly not just me. Um, so talk about where do you see the future of clinical research really going? Um, you know, you got innovations like yours, uh, and I certainly want you to talk about kind of, you know, how it affect how you're involved directly, but then also what do you just see overall for the entire landscape of clinical research? So I think that clinical research is becoming more patient-centric. I think that you know, they, pharmaceutical companies are starting to focus more and more on the patient, both in terms of the design of the trial. You'll see now patients have to do online diaries. Uh, They will be really responsible for reporting adverse effects because that leads back to reducing risk. If, you know, a doctor has a patient that's in a trial and they have an adverse event, they may or may not realize it, but the patient is going to obviously realize. And if they're writing their patient diary, then the pharmaceutical company will realize faster. In terms of, you know, getting the right patients in the trial, I definitely think that, you know, pharmaceutical companies are having bigger and bigger inclusion exclusion criteria. So they really do get the right person in, again, to stop good drugs from failing because of bad, you know, trial design. Um, So again, you know, that's very patient focused. They want to get the right people in. And that is where we do help because we can really filter down and get the patient with all those inclusion exclusion criteria. 
And then if you start to think really far into the future, I think that there'll be more and more genetic requirements for clinical trials. So, you know, personalized medicine, I learned about (laughs) years ago and was really excited about, but I think it is becoming more and more real. So they will start, you know, you'll have to have specific genetic sequences to get into a trial. And that's, you know, where, again, we can really help because we're so targeted. Um, But, yeah, I think it's all really going to revolve around the patient. There's talk of virtual clinical trials where they don't really even need a clinical trial site, which is obviously scary for some people in the marketplace. But we think it's pretty exciting because then, you know, there's no limit to the number of patients you'd be able to have in a trial. So dive into that. I'm not quite sure. That's certainly a new term for me, um, virtual trial, but and certainly for my audience as well. So dive into that a little bit as deep as you can go because it's new. So there are um, tools that you can use such as diabetes monitors where you can, you know, have the monitor on all the time. You don't need to go to the site. You certainly would have to go to the site to kind of get your medication given to you. Um, but then after that, you would be Generally, clinical trials, you'll go to the site because you need to be monitored. They need to see if you're getting better. Um, But if you have these kind of glucose monitors or heart monitors, we're moving more and more towards wearables, then you can have those tracking the patients over time. So they don't need to be returning to the site as much. Um, And that's where, you know, it becomes virtual because the sites aren't required. Wow. Fascinating. We have obviously down at the ATDC, we have a couple of companies that specialized in that space, but I don't think they've quite thought about this aspect and this component. So I know that as you continue to uh, to work your way around the office there, you're going to bump into some really cool innovations that might even, you know, you'll build a partner with. So it brings up my next uh, area of questioning. You have this super stud on your team, Ben Cooper, who um, is really bringing you to, into some new markets and some new opportunities. So talk about you know, the next six to 12 months on which you guys see from some relationships, partnerships, obviously you may not really mention all of the names, but what are you guys most excited about? You have a University of Florida opportunity brewing. Hopefully that's not, I didn't break any confidentiality, (laughs) but um, really cool stuff out there. So talk about some of that. Yeah. So we started off, um, you know, reaching out to research sites. We were lucky in the fact that we had customers before we founded, but they were small customers. Um, So yeah, Ben's really helped with you know, reaching out to those larger customers, we've got a couple of the pretty big pharmaceutical companies that we're now dealing with directly. And then people would always bring us on as they were, you know, their recruitment was failing and they were panicking. The cool thing about what's going on now and, you know, the opportunities that Ben's bringing to the table is that we're working with the pharmaceutical companies directly. So we're working with them right from the beginning, which means we get to be involved in, you know, picking which sites they use, uh, actually finding out where the patients are before they've picked their sites, which really does help speed things up and is just a really exciting opportunity for us. Um, We did speak with the University of Florida and still are speaking with them, which is another great opportunity. Working with really big hospitals was always something I wanted to do, but we kind of had to prove the model out first. So yeah, that's another great opportunity. And then we're starting to really partner with CROs. So we're in partnership discussions with some of the largest ones. And that's exciting for us as well, because then, you know, CROs, they always have a million trials going on and they um, will always need patients. So they're a great partner for us. So 
you talk about the partnering with the CROs, and obviously you guys are going to start to spend some more time. And obviously Atlanta is a phenomenal ecosystem, but one of the cool things about Atlanta is we're close to so many other cool cities. And we brought up Raleigh and RTP Research Triangle um, uh, Research Triangle Project or um, Research Triangle Park. Park yeah. Sorry. Um, you guys have some trips planned up there in the next couple of months, I would assume? Yeah. I keep joking about actually going up there and just living there for a month, <laughs> but we're – due to go up there at the beginning of March um, and have, yeah, I don't know how we're going to hit all of the people we have to hit in one week, but we have a good seven or eight meetings lined up. Most people from the CRO space have a presence there. And then a couple of the farmers we're actually speaking to are have really large presences there as well. So, yeah, we may end up having to spend more and more time there, which is fine. I love it up there. So. No, it's a, it's a great community, uh, a lot of opportunity for you and obviously for many others. And, it's again, it's one of the reasons why Atlanta is just so great is because we have those ecosystems so close to us. So um, I, we're basically at time. So I just want to say thank you very much to you and obviously wish you and Chris and Ben all of the best. You guys are uh, – not only phenomenal for the ATDC, but for the entire Atlanta community. You guys are part of our health IT ecosystem as well, and so we're proud for that. We have almost 300 companies, and you guys are part of that. And so thank you very much. Um, it's just great to have you as my guest today, and I wish you guys all the most uh, continued success and in innovation and in driving clinical trials and research. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Justin. Um, and thank you for everybody to, uh, for listening today. Uh, and also a big thanks to uh, Business Radio X. Uh, they're, again, hosting me in their studios uh, it's a great system. If you're ever in the Southeast, please check them out. Again, Business Radio X, uh, I truly appreciate uh, the partnership uh, with you guys. Uh, and thank you for listening again, everybody. And join us weekdays at 2.30 Eastern, uh, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. And as always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content, as always, is posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone, and have a terrific remainder of the week. <laughs>